Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. If you could turn in your Bibles, please, to Ephesians 5, Ephesians 5, verse 1. We welcome those listening on the internet or who've just downloaded this, this message. Ephesians 5, verse 1 says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such as a person is, such a person is an idolater, as any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. Verse eight: For you were once in darkness, but now are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists of in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Verse 15, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. We all want to know what that is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Great words from Paul. This message today is titled, Sleep. Walkers, how many of you ever sleepwalk before? Is there any sleepwalkers in it? Oh, all right, there's, there's one. How do you know that you sleepwalk? How do you know? <laughs> you check the house out the next day when everything's moved around. This, the title of this message is Sleepwalkers. Paul gives some very, very encouraging instructions here on how we should walk, how we should live our lives. And I wanted to look at a few uh, points at what he's raising. Paul's writing here from prison. And he's writing to the church in Ephesus. And giving them some advice on how they should walk. 
It sounds interesting that he has to tell the church this. He's having to write to a church that's operating. How many of you know that churches are not perfect? How many of you know that even though we think we've got it all together, it's never ever going to be perfect? And we always need some instruction and some guidance from someone else. And Paul is writing from prison in Rome. Even, yeah, in prison, he's still passionate about writing to the church in Ephesus to help them on their walk with God. And amongst other advice, he's trying to help the believers to live in the world around them. And one of the most challenging things when you become a Christian, or if you haven't become a Christian yet, but to be a Christian and to live in this world is a massive challenge. Amen? We, it says in the Bible that we're citizens of heaven. And to live on this earth is a difficult thing. Jesus said that he's overcome the world. There's trouble in the world, he says, but I've overcome the world. And we've got to learn, and what I want to just draw out some things today is just what Paul's encouraging these believers of how we should operate and how we should live in a world that seems, frankly, quite crazy, quite difficult to live in. When you're going to work tomorrow, it's not about just here today when we're all having a nice time. What's it like when you're going to work tomorrow when there's challenges that come? And he's simply, in this scripture, in Ephesians 5, helping us how to walk the Christian walk. Number one I want to bring today is that we should walk carefully. We should walk carefully. He said this that we read, follow God's example in verse 1, therefore as dearly loved children, as humble children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The one biggest thing that we have to learn, it's a key thing, and it is one of the best things you could ever do above any gifts, is to walk in love, to learn what the love of Christ is. It says here that Jesus expressed his fullness in love when he walked to sacrifice himself. He walked to the cross. He was showing love at its utmost that you'll ever see. But what Jesus actually did before he went to the cross, he actually learned to love people before he even did the ultimate thing. The first thing Paul says that we should walk, walk in the way of love. It says this in Hebrews 12 verse 2, For the joy that was set before him, he endued the cross. We should walk joyfully in love. We should walk each day learning how to love people. One of the key things I keep telling people when we go out on the streets or we do anything at the moment, talking to anyone about Jesus, is that you love people. You can have all these great gifts and healings and all these fantastic things that we see, but one of the key things is to love. Gee, if there's one thing that God wants us to learn is to love. God so loved the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He loved us first. But before we go to the cross, in Matthew 16, it says, Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself and take up his cross, follow after me. 
So not only are we going to do the ultimate thing and take up our cross and sacrifice everything just as Jesus did, but we've got to learn before Jesus went to the cross, he did some other things first, didn't he? He lived amongst the people. He lived amongst, just like you do now, he lived amongst a world that was terrible. He lived amongst people that were against him, were brutal. Sometimes you think, oh, the world's got worse now. We're in the last days. Yes, we are. Yes, things have got really bad. But actually, it's never changed that much. It's never changed that much. Cultures change, fashions change. But if you looked right back to Jesus' day, he still had the same problems. And if you want to know how to walk, then we should look at what Paul encourages here. We should walk in love. But Paul goes on to suggest some things here that will hinder or could hinder your walk. What did he say? Sexual immorality, impurity. These things. You say, oh, should we, let's not talk about them. That's, that's taboo. The things that will challenge you today when you go out. It's all over the internet. It's in shops. You have to walk in just to get a loaf of bread these days and you can see stuff that's straight in your face. Even the things that they cover up now on the top shelf, even the bottom shelf seem to be just as bad. And there's so much out there today that will challenge and test you and hinder your walk. All the time. And the problem is this, the enemy comes and tries to turn sexual immorality and impurity into love. And lust becomes love in in your eyes. But actually, it's just packaged differently. We should walk in the way of love. Not these things. The other things that come against us are, he says, greed, foolish talk, coarse joking. We read past this stuff sometimes in the Bible. We think, oh yeah, wow, that sounds pretty bad. They had it rough. The Ephesians. It's not like that here. It's quite, you know, we've got that sorted. Every single day, let me guarantee you, when you go to work tomorrow, even when you're with your families, your close family, there are people joking around and saying things and you have the challenge, do I join in? And even if I just laugh, even if I just join in with them and just do one little smile to acknowledge that I'm with you in this and I agree. The enemy's right at the door all the time with the challenges that challenge our walk. To walk in the way of love. Paul's saying these things will hinder you. I know that when I was at work and when I've been around certain people, there's certain things you just, one minute the conversation could just totally change. Because... They can just start to say things that you just know you don't agree with. And you have a matter of milliseconds to decide, am I going to laugh? Am I going to smile? I'm going to acknowledge it. What am I going to do? How am I going to respond to this? And it's how we respond to these things that come to challenges and not joining in with the crowd. The devil prowls, doesn't he, like a roaring lion, seeking for someone to devour. He's looking all the time. And through your friends, so-called friends sometimes, he'll challenge. And he'll open up little avenues for you to walk in. Come walk this way. You know, it's good. 
you, you can be part of the crowd. You can be part of these guys. You want to be cool? You, for some of the young ones here, you want to be cool? You want to join in with the crowd? But we should stand for godliness, righteousness, and love. And stand up against some of these things. Because they come so subtly into our lives today. Paul goes on to say this. Do not be partners with them. He says, do not be partners with them. Practice such things. You see, you can practice these things. Do, actually, going ahead and practicing some of this stuff is one thing. But to be partners with them. He says almost before you even get involved, detach yourself. Don't be partners. Don't be joined together with these people. And some of us probably need to today to cut some ties with friends. So-called friends. People who you really think, they're, they're with you, they're with you, they're your friends. I challenge you today that some people may be just taking you off that route that Paul is encouraging you to walk. He's challenging, this stuff's challenging for you to cut some ties, to not partner with certain people, to not be around certain people is a big challenge. But how much? How many people know if you want to walk the way of love, Jesus walked the ultimate sacrifice. He did it for you. He paid the price. To take the stand for him is difficult. But we should do it. Amen? This is not the way Jesus wants us to walk. You see, so many of us, we go out on, on our week and we just probably walk slightly little detour on the way through the week. We go a little different way and then we think, right, well, as long as I get back to the main road, back for Sunday and I'm back in church, then I, and I look like I'm cruising again. But you have got to stay on the same road from Sunday to the next Sunday. You see, people here might not see where you go or what you do or where you decide to just travel off on a short little country road that no one can see but God does he sees everything let me remind you you're not coming here to ask forgiveness from us as a church to be the best person for this church to impress us because I can't impress you with what I can do because I fail but there's one who watches to and fro every single day. His eyes watch over everyone. And we should remember these things. To walk carefully. You say, well, how do I separate when I need to be partners with the world? How do I separate myself from my friends and people in the world today? Well, these are good friends of mine. Do you know what Paul's saying here? That we shouldn't, it's not that we should not partner with these people. You see, you cannot... It's impossible for you to live in this world and not have friends with people. Actually, what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5 verse 9, he says this. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Verse 10, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. In that case, he says, you would have to leave the world. Now, there's a difference in some of these ties that you have with these people of being partners with people 
or working alongside them. There's certain things that you can cut off. You can say when some of these friends are saying, oh, do you know, do you want to come down and we're going to go out for a drink tonight? And you know you can't really handle that if you go out for a drink, you're going to be able to hold back. There's certain people who you know that if you went into the pub with them or went and sat with them, that they're going to get into some conversations and you know that, you just know it's inevitable where the conversation will go. And you might say, well, uh, when it comes to that, I'm just going to go in the talks and pray in tongues. I'll come back out and hope it's all gone. I've never done that. But it's true. And we try to sometimes try to fight the battle. We say, Lord, you've asked me to live amongst these people. Sometimes the hardest thing is this. Not for you to try and overcome it and try and battle it with praying spiritually when you're out. But the battle is this. The challenge is to cut it and stop it before you even go. God is not asking you to go and try and hold yourself back and pray and say, God, I, I can't, if I go back out there, I'm going to have to get a drink. I, I can't, I really want to be part of the crowd, Lord. God is asking us to cut the ties. He's actually speaking about in Corinthians when I've just said, he's talking about the people He's saying, be careful of the ones who are Christians, who do such things, don't have anything to do with them. The ones who who profess to believe in Jesus. They profess to have a faith, but yet they still do some of these things I've mentioned. Do you know why he says be careful of these? Because these are far more dangerous than your friends. Who are not Christians. The reason being is that they will contaminate you. If you look at them, you will get confused of the message that you've received. These people are supposed to be Christians. And then all of a sudden your message becomes distorted. What God's saying is, come away from these ones. Come away from the ones who are saying they're Christians. Believe me, it's so easy to say you're Christian. It's so easy to say, yes, I believe, I follow Jesus. The the truth is, it's all in the heart. And I'll tell you, always whatever's in the heart flows out of the mouth. You'll tell it straight away. So be careful, he says, that that you don't associate or partner closely with ones who profess to believe, but yet still do these things. You know better, amen? Paul said in Galatians 5 that a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. Let me say that again. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. It doesn't take much. You see, if you hang around some of these people, you might say, oh, well, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go out and I'm going to keep trying to encourage this believer not to do these things. That's good and well. But there's a certain point that if you hang around some of these people who say they're Christians, a little yeast, a little of them may just contaminate your whole faith. You can pray for them in your own quiet time. You don't have to keep going down to the pubs and the clubs and trying to talk them out of it. God can do great things. He does these things. He challenges by His Spirit. We are called to pray for our friends. We are called to pray for, but we are not called 
to try and do all this ourselves. Be careful. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. Jesus walked with sinners and prostitutes. He walked with some of the worst people. He walked carefully. He walked amongst some of the worst people of society. Who could have contaminated. And and the disciples were probably thinking, why is he doing this? Surely if we go to the religious places... Surely if we go to the temple, just let's get out of here. This is not the place. But Jesus wanted to be where the sick was. He wanted to be where people really needed him. But he learned to walk in the way of love and to walk with these people, but not allow them to influence him. We should be careful. Proverbs 4 verse 10 to 15. I don't know if you've got this up here in the message. Proverbs 4, verse 10 to 15 says this. Dear friend, this is in the message, take my advice. Oh, I love advice. Good, wise advice. Proverbs is full of it. Dear friend, take my advice. It will add years to your life. I'm writing out clear directions to wisdom way. I'm drawing a map to righteous road. I don't want you ending up in blind alleys or wasting time making wrong turns. Hold tight to good advice. Don't relax your grip. Guard it well. Your life is at stake. Don't take wicked bypass. Don't so much as set a foot on that road. Stay clear of it. Cut it off. Give it, I love this bit, give it a wide berth. How many see, uh, I think this is what it means, but when I'm driving down the motorway and I see the big lorries, the, it says this is a wide berth, you have to go clear around it, you don't, so you don't hit the thing. He's basically saying, just get away. Stay clear of these things. And then he says, last of all, make a detour and be on your way. Make a detour and be on your way. Don't take the wicked bypass. Walk in the way of love. Some of us today need to take a U-turn. We, me and Emma went to, um, was it Lemington Spa the other week near Coventry? And we drove to Coventry for something. And when we arrived there and we, we always get confused when the sat nav's going off. And she said, is it this turn? And I'm looking at the, the little thing ticking away. And you're waiting to see, is this left-hand turn? Is the thing going to get, the colour going to get to this left-hand turn? Or is it the next one? And then I missed it. She says, we missed it. So we'd, please do a U-turn. And then you do a U-turn. Then you turn another road and it just gets so confusing. That's all we ever seem to hear on the sat-nav. Please make a U-turn. And you think, well, I'm doing what you said. But we need to make a U-turn. We need to turn around. He's basically saying in this scripture... To turn away. Other direction. Run away. What did Joseph do when he was threatened with Potiphar's wife and she was there? And the temptation was there. He could have had Potiphar's wife if he wanted to. I'm sure she was beautiful and he was tempted in every way. And he looked and he was sat there probably in the room. The first thing he did, and it's the best thing I can advise for anyone who's struggling with temptation. 
in these areas. He got up and ran. Ran away. Turn away. Go the other direction. He still seemed to get him in a bit of trouble. The enemy didn't like it. Because the enemy wanted to destroy the path of Joseph. But God had his hand upon him. And no matter how much it looked like things were getting worse for him, the more he took the advice from God to be righteous, pure, turn away, he fulfilled his will. Amen. Number two, wake yourself up. Wake yourself up. I think I'm pretty good at getting up on the morning, I would say. But every morning I get a kick. The alarm seems to be going off or the kids are screaming and I'm always getting a kick every morning. And Emma can never understand how I can sleep through so much. This morning I got up, she said, it was a terrible night last night, wasn't it? A terrible night last night. And I, and I thought, I've got no idea what she's talking about. I thought, shall I ask her? That's, and I said, what do you mean? She said, in the night, two o'clock in the morning when I was dealing with Lewis. And I'm like, I've got no idea. I said, oh yes, yeah, pretty bad, wasn't it? I'm so bad. I don't know why, but I sleep like a log and I love it. <laughs> I sleep like a log and I love it. But we, here it says, in the scripture read earlier in Ephesians 5, it says, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead. Sometimes it feels like I am dead on the morning. Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Paul's saying here, when you go back into sin... If you do walk in this way and you deviate and you go down one of these roads, if you do do go down the wicked bypass and you don't take the detour, if you do get tempted and you do happen to walk down one of these roads, he says this, he describes it like you've gone back to sleep again. You see, the Bible describes that when you got saved, when you're open, and if you're not today, then listen clearly. When you give yourself to Jesus and you are born again of the Spirit of God, He opens our eyes and it's like you have become from dead and you become alive. It's like you were asleep and now you've woken up. You can see. Paul was saying, when you go back into your sin, if you wander down these roads, it won't be far long and you'll be sleepwalking. You'll be sleepwalking. You think, oh, I'm living this life and I've got it all sorted, but you actually are sleepwalking. In fact, you don't even know what you're doing anymore. Didn't Paul say something about that? Sometimes I don't know what I'm doing. I want to do these things and I don't... Even he struggled. But Paul's saying when we go back, if we do miss... And we, if we miss these opportunities to stay on the straight road and we go down one of these roads, it's like we're asleep. And some of us today have gone too far. Too far down some of these avenues. Wandered off track. Come back on Sunday. Find the motorway again. Here we are again. No one will know. No one will know where I've been. If I just hide it. As long as I can get back to the main road for Sunday. But really, you've been taking these detours down wicked bypass. And you've fallen asleep. 
sleepwalkers never really remember, if I'm right, what they've done. In fact, some people have to remind, they said that you, this has been moved around. You, you were up in the night. You know, many years ago, Emma, she used to, she, she doesn't admit this, but I know she does it. Or she did do it. But one night I woke up and I just looked across and I just saw this figure stood in the room. I actually thought it was a burglar. I nearly got out and hit the person just to get them out. But I looked across the room and it was Emma. Stood there with some paper in her hand. And she actually was asleep. She got out of bed. She doesn't do this anymore, by the way. And she will be there for the breakfast. Because I'll kick her to get out of bed so I can have a lie in. But she was stood there and she, she didn't know when I told her the next day what she'd done. She has no idea to this day, but I know I saw it. In fact, I know when she talks in her sleep as well. How many of you know that? You tell your other put, you say, you were talking last night about something that, no, I wasn't. No, I wasn't. No one ever admits it, do they? No one ever admits they've been talking in their sleep. And, and Emma, well, I do it as well, but Emma now, she records me. She's so adamant, she wants to prove to me that I've done it. When I've fallen asleep on the couch downstairs, or I've been snoring, or anything like that, she records me. The worst bit is, if she threatens to put it on Facebook, no, that's too far. But we never know what we've done. And it's like that when you walk down some of these paths. You get into a point where you start to live this life. Yeah, you know what you've done sometimes, but it's like it's not the real you that God created you to be. It's not the you that God designed you to be. And how many of you know when someone sleepwalks and they do some things, it's not really them. How many of you heard this comment? People say, he's back to his old self. She's back to her old self again. I remember, I'll never forget it, but Emma said something like to Peter Cavana. He was at our house and she said, oh, Phil's back to his old self again. He goes, I hope not. (laughs) Meaning his old self. But it's true. We don't want to be like that old self. We don't want to be like that old person asleep who couldn't see. We've tasted, we've seen that the Lord's good. Isaiah 59 verse 10 says this, we stumble along in the dark. He says, we grow up like blind along a wall, feeling our way like people with our eyes. Even at the brightest noontime, we stumble as though it were dark. Among the living, we are like dead. Jesus calls us to walk in the light. We're not people of the dark. Some of us need to wake ourselves up, press the Get up when the alarm's going off. There's an alarm today ringing saying, wake up. Don't press the snooze button. Think, I'll, I'll respond to this another time. I'm enjoying myself. I'm very good at pressing snooze buttons. They're good. They're just not long enough. Ten minutes is never long enough for a snooze. It seems to just come around so quickly. But don't ignore the alarm. Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 4 to 8, I'm not sure if you've got this again up here, the message. He says this, but friends, you're not in the dark. So how could you be taken off guard by any of this? You're sons of the light, daughters of the day. We live under wide open skies and know where we stand. 
So let's not sleepwalk through life like those others. Let's keep our eyes open and be smart. People sleep at night and get drunk at night. But not us, since we're creatures of the day. Let's act like it. Walk out into the daylight sober, dressed up in faith, love and the hope of salvation. Brilliant. He says walk in the daylight. In Thessalonians it's talking about that you're children of the light. I'm going to preach on this one day about in Thessalonians because actually he's talking about that you won't actually be surprised. Many of us think we're going to be surprised when Jesus returns. Oh yeah, there'll be a bit of a surprise. But the things that are happening around us now, it says the children of the light will know. They'll know the signs of the times. You will know. If you're a believer, Jesus doesn't leave it for you to puzzle and work it out. He says you'll see the signs. That's for another time. But here he's talking about if you were children of the light, walk in the daylight. Don't do the things of the dark. Let's not sleepwalk through life like those others, he says. Keep your eyes open and be smart. Sleepwalkers have no idea what they're doing, do they? They have no idea what they're doing. They don't know what they're wearing. If you told someone the next day that you were, you were sleepwalking, they wouldn't know. What does it say right at the end of this scripture when it describes that? He says, get dressed up. Know what you're wearing, know what you're doing, but get dressed up in faith, love, and the hope of salvation. You need to get dressed. You need to know what you're doing, who you are, where you're walking, each day, clearly. And put on these clothes. Get dressed in faith, love, and the hope of salvation. Brilliant stuff. 1 John 1 verse 7 says this, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Amen. Come on. Let me read that again. If we walk in the light and he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin praise God so we should walk carefully walk carefully that we don't wander down some of these avenues that are going to take us in a route that we probably find it difficult to get out and if you find yourself that you're wandering down these places then wake up finally my last point is to wise up to wise up Verse 15, we read earlier, says this at the end of the scripture, Ephesians 5. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity. Because the days are evil. What did I say? We live in a world, don't we, that's difficult, that's full of trouble. He's saying here, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. That's one of the 
biggest, most questions of most Christians, what's the Lord's will for me? What does he want me to do? Moi. I want to know what he wants me to do. And we're so interested in what God wants us to do. And that's all good and well. But here it's talking about us living a wise life. Applying some of these things. He's saying do all these things and be wise. But I love this. It says to take take most of every opportunity because the days are evil. I don't know about you. But most people you speak to this, some Christians, when they see things getting worse and the days are evil and we're living in trouble, they see that as a setback. They see that as things are getting bad. The church, you know, the, the church, there's not as many people going to church. There's not, it's, things are bad these days. It's not like it used to be many years ago. And they see this as bad. But what does he say here, Paul? Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. In other words, the message puts it like this. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the master wants. The master wants us... Jesus wants us to take advantage of the bad times. You're, you're probably saying we want, we want, we're praying for revival, we want revival to come when everyone's happy and everyone sees God. Do you know what? He says take advantage. Take advantage of this opportunity because what you carry inside of you when you walk in love and light is far greater than what the world has. It's far greater. And so many of us, we're saying, Lord, just turn people to God, which is good, and make things better but so that the church's people will see that it's good to come here. But actually, we should be taking advantage. And one of the reasons we're going out is to take advantage. We shouldn't see these things as obstacles. In fact, there's so great opportunities to walk in love and show other people it. The, King's, the King James Version describes this same, same thing. Instead of um, saying to take the opportunity, it says redeem the time. Because the days are evil. In other words, to redeem is to buy. As you know, Jesus redeemed us. He bought us. He bought us back. And in other words, what is said here is that we should buy. Buy up these opportunities. Let me say that again. We should buy up these opportunities. How many of you see, I don't know who's joined up to Groupon here, or these kind of things online where you get offers, or even on eBay, and you see these things, you think, wow, that is a bargain. I, I, when, even when I go to co-op, sometimes I see certain chocolates on offer and things like that, and I think, buy three for one pound, th- this is great. They just go up in price the next week when you're addicted to them, don't they? And we buy them. We're at the till and I come home sometimes. I'm just going, what have you bought? They're on offer. M&M's, peanut. Peanut M&M's, we love them. They're on offer. A pound for three bags or whatever. Buy up because there's an opportunity. He says here, redeem the time. Buy up these opportunities. Do you know what? Out there right now and opportunities all around you in the world as it's declining. 
There's opportunities. There's a big group on offer. And it's saying, take these opportunities with the light that you carry into this dark world. Grab it before it's too late. Take the opportunity. Buy them up. Grab the bargain. Grab the bargain. Somebody said to me the other day, they said it's the best time to buy houses at the moment. Because the market's so low. I don't know about when the market goes high again, what will happen to the interest rates, but there's an opportunity there. Things aren't good in the economy. But there are opportunities for first-time buyers to get on and to get the opportunity to buy things at a cheaper rate. It's the same for us. Never see these bad, the, the things around you that are bad. So the friends around you at work that you're trying to avoid getting in, being partners with them, bring the love of God to them. Take the opportunity and buy up some of these opportunities. Desperate times call for desperate measures. Question is, what do you see around you? Do you see opportunity or tragedy? Do you see opportunity when you walk out into your families, your friends, and things are not so good? Do you see an opportunity? Or do you see tragedy and think, I'm just going to keep praying that it all just gets good? Proverbs 12 verse 15 says, The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. We have to be wise, don't we? Don't believe all you see. These days that we're living in are dark. They are bad. Things have got bad, but they're just wrapped up in some nice wrapping. It's just presented well. But underneath, it's dark. Paul says, if you, if you are to be wise and not foolish. I want to know what the Lord's will is for my life. Most of us want to know what his will is. And here we heard it, it says, if we do these things and we want to know what God wants us to do and his, what the master requires, and it's quite clear, he's asking us to do these things that I'm saying. How many of you know, if you buy a car, or if you've got an old car and you buy a sat-nav or something like that, it's so cheap to go to Halfords these days and buy a nice-looking sat-nav that will direct you and tell you where to go. And so many of us today want to go out and we want the Lord to show us quick and easy what His will is for us to do. We want to just go and buy the flash sat-nav that has the directions, say, God, show me what to do. But actually, the car's broken. The car needs to go to the garage. In fact, the car needs a new exhaust, the things you can't see. The car needs something done to the engine, but it's so much nicer to go to Halfords and buy the sat-nav and not worry about these things. And it's the same for us today. It's the same for us in our lives. That some of us, our character needs to be changed. Before God will show us direction. Many of us want, when we ask for God's will, we want guidance will. But do you know what God's will is talking about here? Character. He's talking about our character. His will for our character. Some of us need to change or change in our lives first before he will use us in some of the ways we want to go. A quote regarding character I found says this, character is the real foundation 
of a worthwhile success. Character is the real foundation of a worthwhile success. It's the key. The law wants us to get some of these things right, to walk carefully, to not be involved in some of the things we're probably in. If we can get the car fixed, then when, then he will give us the sat-nav. Then he will give us the direction of where he wants us to go. We need to wise up and change our characters. Paul listed some things, didn't he? Right at the end he said, it's God's will for our character that we should not get drunk on wine, he says, but be filled with the Spirit. What does that mean for you? You say, well, yeah, being filled with the Spirit is one thing, but not but allowing space for God to fill your life more. If you want your character to change so that you can know what God's will is, you need to allow more room for His Spirit. Allow more room for God in your life. Verse 19 said, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns. What does that mean for you? You should be encouragers, worshippers, encouraging each other. One thing that we need to build as a culture in this church is that we encourage each other. It's already happening to a great scale that people encourage each other. This builds up each other's character. And then verse 20 said, another thing, God's will for our character, always giving thanks to God, the Father, for everything. In other words, be thankful for what you've got already. We sang it earlier, that God's been able in the past, he's done things for us in the past. Some of us, we're so wanting things in the future, but be thankful of what you've already got. Do you want to be thankful that we can just breathe today? Some of us want to take God around the world. We want to do all these great exploits for God and do amazing things for God. But ultimately in this, when he's saying you need to be wise and you need to change your character, God wants to change you in your workplace tomorrow before he'll take you around the world. Amen. He wants to change us in some of the simplest things. I know I don't know about you, but I want God to change my character. I'm not there yet. I'm a work in progress. And the certain things that maybe I sometimes I've gone off on the, the wrong route. We've all done it. I just think it just takes so much longer. It takes so much longer. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.